This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Playoff pitch and Tulowitzki with a drive. Deep left field and gone. Three-run home run off the bat of Troy Tulowitzki, his first hit of the postseason. First pitch, a bouncing ball hit behind second, stopped by Coward, bounce throw to first, in time, and then Tulowitzki running hard to first base, tumbles over the bag, and immediately he's uh, kind of grimacing and kind of uh, touching his right ankle. Hello, how are you, Mr. Wills? How are you doing? Mr. Wills with you. What's up, Toronto? It's just past 12 o'clock. I have 28 degrees today across the GTA. One of our focuses today is Troy Tulowitzki. Poll question up. Vote on it at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Was trading... What's the exact wording here? Let's get this right. In retrospect, was the Tulo trade a mistake... For the Blue Jays. So in retrospect, knowing what we know now and seeing the way things played out, was the Tulo trade a mistake for the Blue Jays thus far? 64% say no. 36% say yes. Kind of more side with the yes on this one. I'll explain more a little bit later on. You can let me know your thoughts with the text is 105050, the email live at tsn1050.ca. Also pick it up on our conversation last hour. MLS, soccer in North America, I mean, the, the, the MLS signed a new contract with Adidas that's going to pay the league approximately $117 million per season. The NHL signed a contract with Adidas two years ago for roughly $70 million. Does that seem right? What does that signal to you? What does that say about the game of soccer? Is it time that we t- start, and we, when I say we, in terms of coverage, in terms of media focus, in terms of narrative, in terms of recognition... Is it time that we start paying soccer more respect here in North America than we do now? The International Champions Cup played out. Preseason tournament amongst European sides. Real Madrid, Man City, Man United, etc. 12 games, over 700,000 people attended. And that's at a time where there's MLS games being played and the Gold Cup. It was a big month for soccer. And the business of the game continues to get better as well. Meanwhile, the NHL, it, it kind of remains stagnant, doesn't it? I, I don't buy the argument that because franchise values continue to go up, that that means the league is doing anything to show actual forward progress. All sports leagues and their teams are growing. Na- name me one that isn't. Owning a professional sports team is exceptionally lucrative as television contracts get richer as the focus to market, to brand, grows in importance. Of course the business is going to grow, but it's not growing that much. And I think that the Adidas contract is kind of reflective of where soccer is going in North America and where hockey potentially is going in North America, which is unfortunate. I'm not subscribing to it. I don't want it to happen. But I've said this for so long, especially with this Olympic participation nonsense. The NHL isn't doing themselves any favors. Meanwhile... Soccer just continues to grow. Let me know your thoughts. 416-870-1050. Some great calls in the first hour. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca. 
and uh, at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. I'll share some of your comments about Tulo and about soccer, all those, all that coming up as well. Let's go to the phone lines. Ronnie, great name, buddy. Ronnie in Toronto. What's going on, Ronnie? Thanks a lot, Gareth. I'm a big fan. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks, pal. Just a cu- couple of things about uh, the soccer conversation. Number one, uh, going back to the people who say soccer isn't physical and all, all these sorts of things. I think that's more so the fans or, or the people that have never really uh, played soccer. Soccer is extremely extremely physical, extremely difficult, and especially when people are trying to hack at you and trip at you while you're going full speed uh, towards, a, towards a goal. Um, and so that argument, let's knock it out of the question there. Uh, and then number two, in terms of subscription and people paying more attention to, to soccer in North America versus hockey, it, my personal opinion is that has more to do so with um, socioeconomic factors. You know, hockey is a very expensive sport to play. Um, some folks say it's dangerous to play for their children. Uh, where soccer, you know, you pick up a soccer ball and you go and you play anywhere. And, and with all the immigrant families in Canada, the melting pot that we are, it's just going to continue to grow. And it's Adidas saw that, and Adidas showed the money. And that's kind of where my stance is. So, so is based upon socioeconomic factors and the growing popularity of the game, so a, a, a contract where Adidas is spending almost $40 million more per year for the rights deal with MLS than it is the NHL. Is that surprising to you, or is that showing some foresight? I think that's showing some foresight. Kids, more and more kids uh, in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, the stat is more kids are being uh, registered into playing organized soccer than uh, the NHL or, or than hockey, or it's growing at a faster rate. And so Adidas is seeing that. Uh, they're seeing the success that these large teams like the Real Madrid and Manchester United and all the jersey sales they get. And they're just hoping that uh, one day the MLS gets their own homegrown star and jersey sales fly off the roof just like everything else. Good stuff, Ronnie. Appreciate the phone call. 416-870-1050. Ronnie brings up the socioeconomic factors. And what's alarming to me year after year when you watch the NHL draft, how many former players' kids are getting into the league? And it's not just genetics. It's because you can afford to have the best coaching. You can afford to have opportunity. You can afford to put your kid into the game. Hockey is, it's not becoming, it is a sport generally for the elite. And it continues to have significance across rural Canada. It really, really does. I'm a hockey fan. I grew up when I think the sport was much more watchable in the days of Gretzky, of Lemieux. I mean, today's game doesn't really sell the way that it's played, but I think that the NHL continues to shoot itself in the foot by decisions like not allowing your players to go to the Olympics. It's an opportunity for not just your fans, but sports fans across the world to consume your product, and Bettman says no. I mean, it's, it, it, it's ludicrous to me. I mean, that's not happening in soccer. There's more and more opportunity to consume, more kids playing, more financial, more economic activity around the game. It's just the, the two sports for me are just going in different directions. Maybe I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. 416-870-1050-1855-591-6876. Let's go out to Mississauga. Rio, you're on TSN 1050. What's going on, Rio? Hey, Rios. Uh, I much prefer soccer. Now, I grew up with both sports. I'm 53 years old now. Yep. I can tell you the history of Toronto Metro's, Toronto Metro's creation, Toronto Blizzard. Yep. And growing up as a Montreal Canadian fan and watching the Leafs all the time. 
hockey's boring now. The players have no joie uh, de vivre. Like, you got Guy Lafleur, Joe Perrell, Gretzky, Lemieux. Now they're all robots, right? And I see the NHL go in the way of the CFL. They live in their own little bubble, and it's not going to expand. Like, you're, they, like you were saying, they don't look to the future to build, right? And you got to have excitement. As a, now that I'm growing up, the number one thing is entertainment. Right. So, so Rio, what, what changed with the game of hockey for you? Does I something think it's cha- too many things going on. There's too much pushing, grabbing. They don't let play. Like when you watch Lafleur and, and Perot and all those guys, it, it was way better. I mean, the guys today are great athletes and everything, but there's too much interference. And, I mean, they wear helmets because the game's so physical, so now you don't recognize the players the same way. Right. What, what's, what's crazy to me is like, and, and, I, and I generally feel the same way. I'm not as adamant about that. But for me, I, I'm with you that the game isn't as good. And, and, and we're hockey fans. Like, we're Canadians. We are their most hardcore market. Just think about trying to get other people into the sport that are in it, into it right now. And, and that's the problem. They could expand to Las Vegas. They can be the first one there. But I don't see cities up, lining up, other than Quebec City, lining up to get an NHL team. In Seattle, they like one so they can share a building with an NBA potential NBA team. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, you see an MLS, a, a, a league that's on the rise, there's about 12 cities vying for, for spots in that league now. It's like they're on different levels. They're going in different directions, aren't they? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, Wheels. Like, I grew up as a Montreal Canadian fan. And a year ago, I ripped it all up. I said, that's it. They got rid of Subban. That means no more entertainment. And you got TFC's got guys like Javinko. When you, when, you know he's playing? You want to watch the game. Because the guy's exciting. He's going to get great free kick, or he's going to beat two or three players, or make fantastic passes. It's, it's, it's really good, right? But if I watch the Montreal Canadiens now, I'm going to be bored to death. Good stuff, Rio. Appreciate your phone call. Appreciate your passion. 416-870-1050. Phone lines are lighting up. This is what we want, people. This is what the show is all about. The text is 1050-50 at Wheeler TSN if you can't get through. Peter in Oakville. What's going on in the west side, Peter? Peter, are you there? Hello? Hi. Hi, Peter. What's up, buddy? Hello. Peter, do you hear me? Hello? 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 <laughs> Peter, call back. We'll get you right on. We could have kept on going with that. Hi? Hello? Bonjour? Comment the bell too? Nick from Mississauga. What's going on, Nick? What's going on? Can you hear me? You got me? Yeah, buddy. All right. Have at it. The floor is yours. <laughs> I don't know if you're playing devil's advocate, but you, you're spewing a lot, man. Like, you know, the and, and the first call you take is a Habs fan. Of course he's going to say... He's not happy with his product. We've got a Leafs hockey team here that has finally put a, uh, some decent on-ice product, and you're talking about MLS? What, what are, you, are you kidding me? I'm talking about where the leagues are going, not where the teams are going. The leagues are going to high for whatever city is playing well at the moment. So, so before, to- okay, so Nick, before last year, when, when the Maple Leafs had a you know a, le- a year that brings a lot of encouragement, that finally a winning product could be on the ice. How are you feeling about the NHL product? I live in Toronto. I'm a Leafs fan, so I feel good about the NHL product. If I lived in Buffalo, I'd probably be talking about MLS. Or if I lived in Montreal, because uh, it's not—I'm not happy as a Habs fan. 
Okay, so you're just looking at it from a strictly Toronto perspective. So we're going to live in our... No, no, no. I'm looking at it from a perspective of a, of a Leaf fan. And if you call someone in Chicago or L.A. or New York or, or such and such, they don't care about the league. I don't care if Buffalo gets 5,000 seats tonight. I couldn't care less. Well, that, that that's crazy to me because revenue that the league gets is intrinsically linked to the salary cap, which yeah, allows teams right. to for for the salary cap to go up and you as a Leafs fan be able to keep some of the players that you want to keep long term. So unfortunately with this league, the amount of revenue directly directly influences the product on the ice. Yes, I understand. But in Florida, you can get four seats for 20 bucks and four hot dogs. And isn't that a problem? Isn't that a it, massive problem? And isn't, that a, isn't it alarming to you as a hockey fan? And we in this country believe that we're the gate holders. We're the gatekeepers, right? Like, I hockey guess. is our sport. I fully acknowledge that. But if yeah. I'm a hockey fan and I'm reading the headlines last week and see that MLS <laughs> is getting almost $40 million more million per year to have Adidas represent their gear over NHL gear? Aren't you asking yourself what the bleep is going on? Um, you know what, though? But soccer is big, it's, and it should be big. But this is MLS. This is MLS we're talking about. This, it will never eclipse the NHL, though, buddy. Well, what, if it, from an economic perspective, it's starting to push that way and trend that way, I, I mean, are, are we calling these sponsors dumb? These companies dumb in terms of what they're investing in? I, I don't, I'm not making this stuff up. Like I am a hockey guy too. Like I grew up playing the sport. I'm just talking. When I saw that headline last week, it took me by surprise. Whoa, what? You're paying MLS more money than the NHL? Seemed crazy to me, but maybe it makes sense. Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. Toll free at one eight five 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 nine one six eight seven six. Marco in Mississauga. What's going on, Marco? Wheels, good day. How are you? Doing well, pal. Where do you stand on this? Uh, I, I come from a different angle on it. Uh, Go ahead. A so decade and a half ago, my sister-in-law worked for uh, Reebok, so she gave me a little insight on it, and, and she said the competitor Adidas was making a massive push, basically, to take up as many sports as it could, but hold its base, own its base, which has always been soccer. Soccer's been Adidas number one sport that they put all their advertising dollars in and in fact have more apparel and everything than any other sport so they were going after it uh, uh, back about a decade that was a big plan they're going after everyone and MLS has come up now in line and I think it makes sense because with the National Hockey League Adidas was only going up against itself to advertise with to advertise with uh, with the National Hockey League. Okay, okay, so that's the case. If it's Bauer, Nike, whoever, right? If you're going up against, you know, basically no one else, is that a problem? Like, when you look at the lay of the land, and Adidas is spending a lot of money. Real Madrid, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, big, big, big club teams worldwide. Just when you look at the market and the scope and how things are changing in North America, Marco, d- does it change the way that you look at things? No, it, it, does, it doesn't really change it to me in North America because Adidas wanted, wants all soccer, period. So it's battling Puma, it's battling Reebok, it's battling a lot of people. Nike got out of the hockey business, sold all of its shares. I think uh, recently CCM has now been sold to a private equity firm 
small guys. There's no big guys in the hockey industry. It's a very different kind of... You do a jersey deal for hockey. For example, you go to a picnic on the weekend, and you'll see three Leo Messi jerseys. You'll see Luka Modric jerseys. Yeah. You're going to see Ronaldo everywhere. You're going to see Majakic as the Italian uh, stuff. You just see these jerseys everywhere, whereas a hockey jersey you wear to a game... And you hang it up, and you wear it again when you go to a game. Right. So I think the apparel itself has always been, in soccer, has been more wearable, more fashionable, more... I think it's... I, I don't know the numbers, but I can only imagine that the numbers in sales is worldwide. It's, it's, a, fa- it's, it's, it's a fair argument that they're two completely different beasts, two completely different animals. That, that's that's, abs- exactly that, that's absolutely fair. Yeah, that, that's, where I, that's where I was going, actually. That's the way to say it. I just think they're two different animals. Soccer is a... Every stop in the world, global. I mean, from China to yeah, they're they're, they're two different places they're, they're, on the planet. And hockey is not even on the map. And and quite frankly, we could advertise to your to your other point about the Olympics. We went to Nagano years back, and the whole argument was, boy, if we put them in the Olympics ten years from now, the numbers will go crazy. We will have advertised this game, and you know what. We're nowhere. We're we're no better off than we were before Nagano. Yeah, but Nagano. I I mean, the the way that we consume now, from a global perspective, access to games, access to information, is far superior than ever before. Um, And just to me, it's a missed opportunity. Marco got to run. Got to get to another couple calls, but appreciate it. Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. Let's go to Alora. Tom, what's going on in Alora today? Well, not too much. Not a boy. Yeah, no, the, uh, I think when it comes down to the argument of hockey versus soccer, it's apples and oranges. Uh, my kids personally play both hockey and soccer. Now, as far as economics, hockey does not have to cost a lot of money. You have uh, equipment exchanges. You can use used equipment. Like my son's hockey is $480 for the season. His soccer, if he signs up to play our local traveling soccer league, it's about $300. So, 480 is dirt, dirt, dirt cheap for hockey. I mean, I, I don't hear prices like that. I'm moving out to Alora, Tommy. Heck yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, my, my, my kids love playing hockey, okay? Yep. But I also don't have an uh, unrealistic ambition that they're going to make the NHL. Sure. I want my kids to play hockey when they're my age. You know, I'm 42. I play hockey summer and winter. If they're doing that, then I've succeeded, you know? So I'm not... It, don't get me wrong. If I sign them up for rep hockey here, it's eleven hundred bucks just to join the team, and you'll spend another three to five thousand dollars in tournaments and travel fees. Uh, my my kids aren't going to the NHL. Oh, sorry, Tom. We lost you. Another good part of the perspective of at a grassroots level, what it costs. I mean, I'm kind of looking bigger picture, where from a professional perspective, these two sports are going. For this International Champions Cup, it's a preseason tournament. There was 57,000 fans per game. I flew down to Houston to see one of these games for crying out loud. Over 700,000 fans in attendance in 12 matches. And that's while the Gold Cup in MLS was going on. I, I, I mean, just we're, we're at a point where I just don't think it can be denied any longer that forget the big four, soccer's very much part of the mix. 416-870-1050. Let's go up to Maple. Anthony, what's happening today, Anthony? Wheeler, what's going on, buddy? You know, just rocking and rolling, pal. You? I love this topic. I love that we talk about soccer 
uh, we need shows like this more and more. But absolutely, I think I think soccer as a whole. If you're talking globally, I think 100%, or even in North America, 100%, it is trending in the right direction. If you're talking about the city of Toronto itself, we all know Leafland, Leafs Nation. I think it'll always win out, unfortunately, because the product... Well, it's not unfortunately. It's, it's, you know, the team is popular, but I'm just more interested in the leagues overall and where they're going and where the sports are going. Yeah, well, 100%. MLS then, 100% is going up and trending in the right direction. I'm a season seed holder uh, for TFC, and as far as... The game is unbelievable, and, I, and I've watched from day one. The game has gotten so much better. You get the most bang for your buck. And as far as soccer to hockey, the up-close and personal that you get with MLS and soccer, you, you can't even compare. I was at the open practice yesterday, and I saw Michael Bradley go over to a bunch of supporters and fans when the practice was over. You don't get that anywhere else. That is, that's something that you, you can't. Like, you don't get that anywhere. He went up to people, even when he was done. Practice was over. Everyone was in the locker room. He came back out to sign autographs and talk to people and shake hands. That's unbelievable. So you understand why brands are now linking, uh, linking themselves to MLS despite smaller television numbers. Yeah, you get, you MLS, get it? Uh, MLS is, is, is doing it the right way. The, the, the brand of, of soccer has gotten so much better. It, it's not what it was anymore. Internationals are coming. And it's it's just a it's a great product, 100%. Great, great, great stuff. Product. Thanks for the phone call. Really appreciate your perspective. Let's be uh, go out to Woodbridge, and it's John on TSN 1050. What's going on today, John? Oh, not too much actually. Just uh, listened to the show and thought I'd chime in on some ideas. How that it, um, No, I guess the, the, I think the biggest issue, really, I think with hockey, um, is you know the salary cap, and I think because it, it stops mm. dynasties. And I think if, if you look at Chicago, I mean, Chicago probably could have won six Stanley Cups by now if they didn't have to rip up their team. And I think those dynasties are what kind of creates the value in these jerseys. Because, I mean, like nobody really wanted to wear a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey in public for the last few years up until this year. And, of course, as soon as they get good, everybody's talking about, oh, now we can't keep all three because of the salary. Got to blow it up, right? Yeah, great call. So I think that's kind of one of the biggest detriments to hockey right now is because you really can't have the true dynasties the true powerhouse teams, and really teams like, you know, Canadian teams or the good teams like Chicago and Pittsburgh are really propping up some of the other teams who really can't even, like, who are charging $20 for a hot dog and four tickets. Um, so, I mean, that kind of creates some issues as well. Sure, sure. And, and, and I guess greatness also can attract the casual sports fan. Right, John? Like, if, if there's a great team, if there's a must-see player or a must-see story, even if you're a casual fan, you will turn tune in, no matter what. And, and, and maybe soccer is a leg up on hockey that way because a soccer fan is a soccer fan. You, you can watch, you know, Real Madrid play. You can support Mexico. You, you can follow a bunch of different teams at once, and when there's a game or a big match or something that you need to tune into, it, it's easy to find it, right? And, and, and perhaps that's why markets like Sacramento and Nashville and Miami and, and, and San Antonio and Cincinnati, all of these different markets are pushing for an MLS team because they want a piece of the pie. And it might be a smaller piece of the pie, but it's a piece of it nonetheless. Exactly. Good stuff, pal. Thanks, John, for weighing in. Really appreciate that. Um, we'll continue this conversation a little bit later on. Um, Scott Mitchell 
is going to join me next on the program. He's our Blue Jays beat reporter. I promise he'll come back and share some of your perspective, more perspective on this through text, email, and tweets. But Scott Mitchell is going to join us, our baseball insider. I put out the question off the top of the show whether the Blue Jays should or would... Whether Blue Jays and the Blue Jays fans should regret trading for Troy Tulowitzki in the first place. Can we just play the Steve Phillips quick? This will kind of set up my conversation with Scott Mitchell. And obviously this is in retrospect. But Steve Phillips, our baseball insider, joined Naylor Landsberg this morning, Matt Cause in for Dave Naylor, and discussed about whether the deal for Tulo was necessary, had to be done in the first place. Probably not. No, I don't think it probably was. Now, um, you know, I get that it moved Jose Reyes out, uh, and that may have been part of the equation in all this, because remember, it wasn't exclusively Tulowitzki's money. It, there, there's some major offset in the Jose Reyes money uh, in, in the deal that was made. But, uh, no, I, I mean, Tulo has not, you know, the bang for the buck issue is, is a real question mark for, for him, both in what you've gotten and what you have uh, the right to expect moving forward. Three more years for Troy Tulowitzki. Jose Reyes, his contract's done this year. I mean, did Tulo take the Blue Jays over the top, or were they good enough with Reyes and without Tulowitzki? I think it's a reasonable, rational question to have. And that's perhaps why Shapiro reportedly was really upset when he took over the Blue Jays. That he was saddled with this god-awful contract for a depreciating depreciating asset. We'll ask Scott Mitchell about this regret within the organization. We'll have that conversation next. Your boy Wheels with you. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050. Today, in retrospect, was the Tulo trade a mistake for the Blue Jays? 64% say no. What was that, Little Britain? It says no. 64% say no. 36% say yes. Continue to cast your vote at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. Wheels up, Toronto. Gareth Wheeler with you. This is Toronto Today. Tulo's so divisive. Before, and I'm going to take credit for this. Before I started calling out the dude, my God, my, last year, about underperforming, underachieving, no one else would say anything. It's like the baseball world in Toronto just woke up over the last couple months and being like, oh yeah, Tulo stinks. And he can't stay healthy. Well, that's the reality of the situation. Did the Blue Jays have to trade for Tulo to take them over the top? Like they won the AL East in 2015 pretty handily by six games. Just slipped into a wild card spot last year, but Tulo's missed games. He's been ineffective. He's been spotty. And this year, he's been an unmitigated disaster. And now you got him for three more years, $20 million per. Well, Jose Reyes, the guy you had, I mean, he's a free agent. He's, there's a club option for next year that won't get picked up. $4 million buyout. Much rather have that in my future than whatever Tulowitzki is or will not be for this Blue Jays team. Let's ask our next guest about regrets. This Baseball Insider is brought to you by Oakland Ford Lincoln, your premier source for auto service and sales in the GTA. It is Scott Mitchell, our TSN Blue Jays reporter at Scotty Mitch TSN on Twitter. Any regrets in life, Scotty Mitch? <laughs> Never. What, what am I going to regret, man? There's, there's YOLO. There. YOLO, right, buddy? 
<laughs> you, have, you have to look at it that way. There's no other way to go about life, man. Did the Blue Jays have to trade for Troy Tulowitzki when they did? Or would have they been A-OK? Would have they been fine if they didn't make that deal? Well, I, I think trying to revise history is dangerous. But, I mean, I, I would tend to agree that you wouldn't have had to make that deal. But um, w- when you do look at the body of work that, that he's produced in, in Toronto, it, it's not... It's underwhelming, but I mean, there there were big hits. I mean, he hit he hit over 300 in the series against Kansas City, uh, you know, in the ALCS that year. With, I think uh, six or seven RBI, and yeah, they lost um, that series. But yeah, okay, go. Yeah, I mean, if they if they, if they lost it, they lost it in six games. I mean, if they don't uh, if they don't have Tulowitzki, maybe they're out in four or five. So, I mean, you you can wade through that argument however you want. I mean, we all look at that trade and and what they gave up, and and it's it's not a lot. I mean, Jeff Hoffman at this point is is the is the key to that deal, and was the key to that deal for Colorado at the time. And, um, you know, he's worked through some issues as, as a young starting pitcher. And would you love to have that guy in Toronto right now um, under team control rather than Troy Tuowitzki making $20 million a year? Yes, of course you would. Uh, but uh, when you make those moves and, and what Alex Anthopoulos was doing, um, they were all in. And, and when you make those types of, of trades, uh, you kind of have to live with the consequences. And, and clearly... Uh, they are right now, and they will continue to do so in the future. Yeah, it wasn't so much what they gave up, it's what they inherited. And it's that contract, $20 million next year, $20 million the year after that, $14 million in 2020. And this isn't mm-hmm. a team like the Dodgers that can just bury contracts. Like, there are payroll parameters here. So, you know, if you're the Rockies, you know you have a player in decline that's unreliable from a health perspective, so they were willing to take or or get whatever they could and give up that contract for the foreseeable future. Now, look, the Colorado Rockies are now a much better team, and it seems like the Blue Jays are going the opposite direction. Yeah, clearly uh, the Colorado Rockies timed that out essentially perfectly and with his slide. Because, I mean, you look at 2014, this guy was a five-war player for, for the Rockies, and then 2015 started out hot and then kind of has been a, a different player since that, that second half. He was okay for the Blue Jays, but the last two years the, the defense has started to slip and, and the production has slipped as well. And how much of that was, was Coors Field aided? Uh, I think we're, we're seeing that. Uh, Do you think that's the case, Scotty? You, you think that he's a player, a, t- a typical player that achieved because of his surroundings at, at altitude? Not fully, because when you look at the splits, he was a very good player on the road. But there's no getting around the fact that the ballpark helps inflate offensive numbers. And when you're out of that ballpark, even when you're in the Rogers Center, which is a very good hitter's environment, um, you're just not the same. But I, I think, to be honest, it's, it's, uh, it's a culmination of years and years of injuries. And this guy um, has been able to play through things and come back, but uh, he, he's been a DL stint waiting to happen since he essentially arrived in the league. And when you look at some of the injuries, a lot of lower half injuries, um, I think that helps explain a, a lot of what's happening over the past year and a half with his contact issues. He just doesn't drive the ball the same way, and the lower half is such a key component to, to anybody's swing that you, you look at the hamstring this year, the groin this year, now the ankle. Uh, he's had hip surgery. He's had uh, numerous uh, quad injuries. Uh, th- this is a guy who uh, his body is just taking a beating, and he plays a premium position up the middle that is, is also important, uh, those legs defensively. And I think we've just seen everything just take a toll. And now the question is, 
is this what Troy Tulowitzki is, or can he, with a, a winter of rehab, get back to the point where he's at least an acceptable um, player, both offensively and defensively? Because the days of Troy Tulowitzki being a star are gone. Um, but now you're hoping he can just be a, a two-three war player, which is what he's been over the past couple of years, and hope he gets back to that. I mean, even talking to John Gibbons yesterday when they when they talked about placing him on the 60-day DL, uh, he admitted that hamstring injury that he suffered in April and and kind of missed uh, I think five weeks um, was affecting him. And when you look at the struggles, when you look at the 249 batting average, when you look at the career high uh, ground ball rate which is completely opposite of what every hitter is trying to do these days which is lift the ball and put it in the air um, you have to wonder just how much of that factored into his poor performance and then obviously the ankle ends the season and doesn't allow him to rebound but I think the hope is he rehabs this winner comes back and can just be that guy in hitting six um because you're not, you're not. He's not a middle of the order guy anymore. No kidding. Scott Mitchell joining us here on Toronto today. I'm Wheels. He's 32. Like the the Maple Leafs just signed a guy for like six million plus. That's 38 <laughs> in playing playing hockey. Let alone a 32 year old playing baseball. How is his body, or why is his body broken down? Like, is it just dumb luck? Is it genetics? Not taking care of oneself? Like, how has this happened? Well, I'm not a kinesiology major, so I can't You're really not? break that Damn. down. No, no, man. Just communications. That's it. And even that, I'm kind of mediocre at. So, <laughs> oh, um, come on. <laughs> when you, I, it, it's hard to say because, like I said, I mean, I, I followed this guy um, throughout his throughout his career, um, and and he's he's broken down every single season. And you have to wonder. I mean, this is a guy who is uh, a, a very unique uh, product for a shortstop. He's six three, two hundred five pounds which you don't see that a lot. And when you're playing a premium position like shortstop, you need those, uh, you need those legs and you need them in, in the batter's box as well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can explain it. I don't know that Troy Tulowitzki can explain it. I don't know that you can ever explain why a guy is, is injury prone compared to another player, but um, it, it's clearly taken a toll throughout his career. He's been able to bounce back season to season, but now you get, you got to wonder if they've just, if they've just ravaged the same player strength wise and, and you know he's going to be even more susceptible to these as he he turns 20 or 33 um, in, in a couple months here. So um, it, it doesn't look pretty, no matter how you look at it. But I, I think you just got to cross your fingers if you're the Blue Jays and just hope a, a winner of good health that that he can get back to just being acceptable because he's not going to be worth that sure. contract. And, and and I know you called it dangerous to look back. I'm not sure if it's dangerous to look back at the trip, but I think it matters. And and I think that as sports fans, we need to do justice when it comes to what's going on now with the Blue Jays. And this new front office, and rightfully so in a lot of accounts, are taken to the coals for moves that they made or have not made. But that was an Anthopolis move. And that's one one that I think that was unnecessary to make. You knew what you had in Jose Reyes. Look, he was really struggling, and Tula was a massive upgrade from a defensive perspective. But was he a game-breaker? Would he, would if he made a team with Donaldson as MVP, with Encarnacion, with, with Bautista all mashing in the middle of the lineup, with a really solid pitching staff, with David Price brought into this team? Like, they were a powerhouse team with or without Tulo. And... Just what that meant for the organization longer term, I think that it's hurt the team more now where it's going than it helped the team back when the trade was made. 
No, I think that's a completely fair question. I just think you have to ask yourself, what what is two ALCS appearances um, worth um, for this organization? Is it worth taking on that risk? Is it worth taking on that, that contract for the next couple of years? Uh, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins would tell you no, because as you pointed out, they didn't make this move. Um, ownership at this point, in hindsight, is 2020, would maybe say no but i'm not sure if um you know those those two those two runs kind of even that even that situation out money wise it might um for the organization for the payroll doesn't help but i i mean troy tulewitzki at that point um what he did was lengthen that lineup and he provides a presence he pro- he changes the way you pitch to guys hey, when you walk into a a series against the the Toronto Blue Jays in 2015 or 2016 you look at Troy Tulowitzki as a threat and it changes the way people pitch to other guys it changes the way your lineup looks and Let's not forget, up until this year, this guy's an elite defensive player that saves them runs defensively. So not everything is batting average and uh, on-base percentage. Um, You know, I I sound like a a Troy Tulowitzki apologist at this point, um, but I think the trade you have to look at in in many different ways, and you just have to ask yourself what those two runs were worth, not only for the ball club, just but just for this franchise and the the city. Uh, they They didn't get a World Series out of it. And I get what you're saying. But I don't think that Tulo was the game breaker. I don't think he was a deal breaker. This is my whole point here. Tulo's not the reason why they made it to the ALCS. The Blue Jays pitching staff was incredible last year. Incredible. And guys like Edwin Encarnacion and Josh Donaldson have had a major part of that. Kevin Pillar's play in the outfield was great. Like, there was a lot of factors why that team was good. And now I think it directly, and you can tell me, uh, you know better than I, has Troy Tulowitzki's contract prevented the team from making other moves? Because, I mean, people have called in and said that depth is a real issue with this team. They're unable to address the outfield. Jay Bruce gets traded for nothing yesterday. A guy that the Blue Jays were so-called after for quite some time. Was salary an obstruction? Was that a reason the fact he made $13 million? Like, if Troy Tulowitzki's contract prevented this team from adding another starting pitcher, a corner outfielder, doing some other things, then I think we can absolutely look at Troy Tulowitzki in that trade being a liability for the present. I, I think you absolutely have to, to factor that in. I mean, anytime a guy is making $20 million, that's going to be, uh, you know, a serious um, chunk of, of your payroll that's going to maybe hamstring you in, in uh, other other areas. Uh, you know, I, I think if you look at the, the Jay Bruce thing, if, if you want to say, hey, we didn't get Jay Bruce because we have Troy Tulowitzki, I, I don't think anyone's going to be overly upset about that considering Jay Bruce is exactly what they have too much of on this roster. It's guys that hit home runs and are awful in the outfield and are base cloggers. So, but he actually um, hits home runs. He has more than Pilar and Bautista combined. He's fourth in the National League. He's another bad outfielder, though, and we've... But at least he can hit! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a point, but I mean, they they also thought Jose Bautista could hit. I mean, Jay Bruce just suffered through a couple of of, uh, very, very mediocre years with the the Cincinnati Reds, and and they were eager to dump him, and now he's a free agent coming up. So, I mean, I'm not sure giving up prospects last winter for Jay Bruce was the answer or something that you would like to see an organization do, especially when everyone's calling for a rebuild. Yeah, he's had a nice season. See, see, Scotty, this is where I disagree with you because if it was worthwhile making that run with Tulowitzki back then, it would have been worthwhile adding to this team that was supposedly good enough to contend. It was abundantly clear to everyone they needed another corner outfielder. They didn't go out and get one. 
I mean, that's a real problem. And if it's worth, you know, a, a middling, you know, prospect, then then why not give it up? Well, you have to find out what the what the Mets were asking for in the off season because it took them. There were a number of teams interested in, in Jay Bruce, and and the, and the Mets couldn't couldn't find a match, probably because the asking price was a little too high. And now you look at them; they have to trade him in the uh, in the in the waiver trading period, and they you know get a, get a C plus prospect back. So. Uh, you know, maybe you could look at the Mets kind of maybe overplaying their hand a little bit. I'm, I don't think Jay Bruce really helped them. This is a this is a team that's uh, not going anywhere with the Mets. And and when you look at the Mets' problems, they mirror the Blue Jays' problems. I don't think a corner outfielder changes much because the starting pitching hasn't stayed healthy, and the starting pitching that has stayed healthy has been very mediocre, other than Marcus Stroman. So I, I think you know you look at the struggles of this ball club and there are numerous and they're one of the worst offensive teams in baseball or in the American League they're one of the worst defensive teams in the American League but you have to look at the starting pitching one year after running out seven starters they're now running out 11 starters and uh even the guys that have been uh, that were counted on haven't been healthy or haven't pitched well so um you can look at it in a number of ways but Jay Bruce on this team doesn't change much in terms of the the, the playoff picture and where they're sitting now in my opinion Good stuff, buddy. Uh, nice work on TSN.ca as well. Each and every week, Scotty Mitch has his future watch, taking a look at the Blue Jays' top prospects, how they fared over the past seven days. I mean, it's a proper place to turn our attention to now. Uh, keep up the great work, pal. How was it How was it sitting through three hours and 45 minutes of that last night? Don't remind me, man. I, 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 you know what? Nick Tepp is just going to start again next Monday, and I'm just hoping they can they can keep it at three hours and, a, and 15 minutes or so. Just start the cough early. It's the black lung. <laughs> I think I got the black lung top. Yep. Uh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Good stuff as always. Scott Mitchell at Scotty Mitch, TSN on Twitter. I, I hear what Scotty's saying, like, and I'm not just trying to be combative because I firmly believe this. Tulowitzki's a problem on the field and off the field. To the moves that the Blue Jays did not make. And the ones they did make. And if it was worth the risk of making that move back then, it was worth the risk of adding a little bit something more now, which the Blue Jays didn't do. There's enough blame to be passed around across the board. But that Tulowitzki deal set Shapiro Atkins, Shatkins... Put them in a really difficult spot and continues to do so. Was it worth it making that trade? For me, absolutely not. I'll share some of your thoughts next. It's WTF, a bear crashing cars. Yeah, that's part of the equation. Wheels with you, TSN 1050. From your car lease, lease busters, heroic, maybe, helpful, totally. People would love to take over your car lease for your lease relief. Go to leasebusters.com. Wheels with you. Don't have much time, plenty to get to, so it's time for this. What the? They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19 to 1. Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. WTF. Some WTF Toronto Blue Jays stats. Kevin Pillar 
Minimum 55 at-bats with runners in scoring position, hitting a major league worst 113. 113! Nine for 80 on the year. Ugh. The other duds in that category, Kyle Schwarber, Hunter Renfro, and Eric Thames. Remember he got off to a hot start? Yikes. The Blue Jays also allowed 10 runs last night for the 15th time. 15 times? Remember their starting pitching was on point last year? One of the best in Major League Baseball? Third most by a Major League Baseball team. What do they call it? The Players Weekend's coming up. Not next weekend, but the week after Major League Baseball. You can wear whatever you want on the back of your jersey. So Kyle Seeger of the Seattle Mariners is wearing Corey's brother on the back of his jersey. <laughs> that's great. Corey Seager of the Los Angeles Dollars. That's, that's nice. But if you're Corey, is that putting pressure on... Uh, does that put pressure on you to have Kyle's brother put on your back? Get have one brother giving a shout-out to one dude and the other guy not doing the same. Groundhog Day, the musical's playing on Broadway, which shows you that any movie can be put into and made into a Broadway hit. Bill Murray was in attendance to view one of his finest roles and was very Bill Murray about the entire thing. And reportedly, Bill Murray went to see Groundhog Day the day after as well. So he was living out his 1993 role in Groundhog Day in real life by going to see Groundhog Day. How long can he keep that up for? Love that movie, by the way. A small kitten stormed the Bush Stadium field and interrupted Wednesday's game between the Cardinals and Royals. The feline jogged into the outfield, didn't seem bothered by Lorenzo Kane. A grounds crew member finally picked up the cat. And then Yadier Molina launched a grand slam to give the home side a 8-5 lead. It's the rally cat. My question is, how does a cat get into a baseball stadium? Just random cats wandering the streets of St. Louis. Cat on the field. Okay. A bear broke into an SUV and took it for a joyride in Colorado before crashing it, trashing the interior, and pooping inside. The bear hijacked the Subaru from Cornelius' neighbor early Friday morning, likely releasing the parking brake and causing the vehicle to roll down the driveway and crash into a utility box and the mailbox. The ruckus woke up Ron Cornelius and his wife. They dashed outside, feeling that they're fearing that there's humans on the inside. The couple didn't see the bear, but they did find the wheel and the radio ripped out, the window broken, and bear poop left behind. Bears stealing cars. Okay. Are Uranus jokes funny? Jason Day in the buildup to the PGA Championship, he dropped the good old Uranus joke. Asked you to see the telescope as a gift. Yeah. Have you ever uh, used one? Would you be dashed to show you how to use it? What do you think? Nah, man. I probably see Uranus from here, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. Hey, well, that's good. Uranus jokes, funny across the board. How about this? Like, it was a big deal at the PGA that golfers got to wear shorts for the practice rounds. We had a golf guest on the station. What was his name, Keith? He was like from Golf Week magazine. Jeff Shackelford. Jeff Shackelford. And he was selling that pants are basically part of the uniform. Have a listen. The problem I have with it is that they look just like spectators. And I understand that people don't want to wear pants when it's hot, but they are recognizable pro athletes in their pants. And especially these days, you know, they wear 
these fitted, very cool. Okay, we can get out. They're recognizable athletes by wearing pants. Are golf pants... Do golf pants really make you an athlete? Like, what if you're wearing shorts? Oh, that guy's not a professional golfer. Pants? Yes, guy. What an outrageous thing to say. Golf pants makes a golfer. Or pants make... I don't even know if there's such a thing as golf pants. Pleated slacks make you a professional golfer. Those are today's WTFs. Wow, that's messed up. Really messed up. We got to talk more about the golf outfit, the golf uniform on tomorrow's program. Final results of the poll question: sixty-five percent say no. The too low, too low trade was not a mistake for the Blue Jays. Thirty-five percent say yes. Thanks for all the phone calls and all the feedback. How about we do it all again tomorrow? I'll share more of your thoughts on soccer tomorrow as well. Looks like Alex Bono from Toronto FC will check in as well. On behalf of Joe Narsa, Keith Bauer, I'm Wheels. Enjoy your Thursday, Toronto.